0: Dorian, you hear yet? Hey, hey, yes, sir. How what are you? How are you? Doing great. I can't complain. What's going on? What's we are up, man? <clears throat> rolling. Um, hey, Scott.
1: What's going on, bud?
0: Doing well. I can't complain, guys. I'm sorry about the the 10-15 minute late thing. I really apologize. It's too much going on, and you're like, oh my god, how do I, you know, <laughs> make sure I'm not late to everything? do so, uh,
2: so we've already got the recording going. Um, this is how we roll, because sometimes it's even funnier when we start, you know, beforehand. Um, goal of the conversation, right? There is no goal, there is no particular topic. Uh, we want to just dig in and ask a bunch of sales stuff. Obviously, if there's something you want to talk about, let us know. Uh, if there's something you're super passionate about in terms of what's going on in the sales world, we want to go there. Um, if there's something you don't want to talk about, that's okay. Just say, well, let's, let's skip that for today, uh, which, which we're happy to do. Uh, and that's kind of it. Um, and then just sort of you have a little bit of a heads up at the end. You know, we'll, we'll ask you, Zorian, how can we help you? Uh, what, what's something we can do for you? So if you've got a cause you want to mention or, um, you know, if you've got a business advice question you want to ask, we'll, we'll be glad to give, it to, give you an answer. Uh, can't promise it'll be an excellent answer. Um, but, you know, we'll see where it goes.
0: Perfect. I love it. So, is this is this a video, a video cast? Um, oh yeah. Oh, so you put it online and let everybody just watch. I love it. Yes, it's awesome.
1: Because we're so handsome, the three of us. Well, it drives downloads and viewership. Zorian.
0: Well, if you put me if you put me on, I'm sure people will unsubscribe. <laughs> Hollywood looks have never been my thing, unfortunately. But it's all right. All right. I've gotten I got by. Pain. I'm afflicted with the same pain.
1: <laughs> just, just so you guys know I have to leave right at five o'clock central that on, the, on the button um, you guys feel free to keep going but i'm gonna have i have to jump that's all
2: right so let let's jump into it and you know so for those of you who's listening, welcome to another edition of the serpent sales podcast super excited um as always super excited we want to give a shout out quick to our sponsor of lead four one one with the most Excellent intent, data, direct dial, phone numbers. And if you haven't gone back and listened to I can't even remember which episode, but Tom blew over at Lead411 when went and got like super cool movie thriller guy to record a, an ad for it because we keep butchering it. Um, so every now and then we'll play it. So you got to go find it. It's a nice little Easter egg in our in our, in our world. But I want to talk today. We are here. Super excited to talk to you, Chief Revenue Officer Zorian Rotenberg. Um, And he is currently um, the CRO at Infotelligent. Uh, He's been there about seven months. Um, I think one of the reasons, and we're certainly excited to talk to him, but he also uh, was at Insight Squared for almost eight years, right? As a head of sales and marketing. So um, I think that's the goal is that I need to get that marketing added to my title because I won't get fired after 18 months, which is the norm, (laughs) right? Actually-
0: I, I was at Inside Squared for, um, for a couple of years, and then after I left, uh, Fred was uh, you know, too kind and asked me to stay as, uh, on the board of advisors. Uh, yeah. So a lot of that tail end was uh, just being a friend of the firm, uh, but probably more so than that, a huge fan. Um, I just have a ton of passion for what they do, which is sales analytics and sales business intelligence. So, and, uh, so, so talk about that. When did you start to geek out on sales data? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, so I would say that after business school, um, I decided to go to, um, to sell and learn sales at IBM, uh, which is, uh, is kind of weird because where I went to business school, majority of my classmates went to venture capital, private equity, hedge funds, Wall Street. And uh, there were just a couple of us who decided to go do sales. But the reason for that was that Uh, I met um, this gentleman, Dan Smith, who was CEO of Sycamore Networks. Uh, He went to my business school to get his MBA. He went undergrad uh, to Lehigh University, where I went. So we had a connection, and I said, what should I do? And he said, go into sales. Uh, He said, you either sell something or you make something, uh, and in high tech, everything else is sort of uh, not as important. And he said, if you go into sales, one day you'll be CEO because that's the best kind of path um, to become a CEO of a successful company in tech. So I went into IBM, and and one thing I realized is that um, there's a lot of science that could be applied to sales. And um, I think the reason for that is because I studied math. I got a minor in applied mathematics um, when I went for my undergrad. Uh, also had a minor in computer science and a major in finance. Also started my career in investment banking on Wall Street. Was an analyst. So, I spent a lot of time in Excel, probably eighty to hundred hours. But were, a you,
2: but were you a were you a were you just a numbers geek as a kid? Were you? I was a math?
0: numbers geek. I love numbers. So were you on the math team and all that kind of stuff? That yes, and chess team too. <laughs> you just cracked me. So, um, which is and, good. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. So, look to all the parents out
2: there. Like, if you aren't getting your kids math skills, like you're missing the boat, right? Like, math hasn't changed in ever. Like one was always equal to one. It just keeps getting better.
0: If you're using me as a role model, you're gonna get a lot of parents not wanting to put their kids to math. So uh, (laughs) that's the next question
2: we're gonna ask. What that meant? (laughs)
0: But but the point is that um, when 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 I started doing sales, I'm like, wow, a lot of this stuff can be quantified. And then I was very fortunate. So at IBM, I started thinking about that. And then um, I was hired by this um, gentleman named Walter Scott, who was CEO of a company called Acronis, um, and uh, and I worked for him for about three years. And he was a he's an incredible individual, my role model. Um, he actually was born in a trailer park in Maine, which he now owns. Uh, he um, and he was a very successful sales professional uh, who went up the ranks and then ultimately uh, ran Acronis. Um, made a lot of money for the investors, and everything I learned about sales management and running sales was primarily from him, and it was always in Excel. Uh, This is a guy who would start work at 4.30 in the morning. He was formerly in the military. Uh, He's an incredible person, uh, worked extremely hard, and we would always talk in Excel terms, and we would measure sales activity, like every granular, like, you know, effective phone calls, Uh, conversions to demos, conversions from demos to uh, opportunities, everything. How do you quantify an effective phone call? That's a great question. So um, back then we did it in a very basic way because we didn't have the technology um, the way we have it, you know, 10 plus years later today. So there were just like regular phone calls that you'd actually pick up and you had, you know, headsets. And back then uh, the first uh, point, or, or leading indicator of an effective phone call is somebody was on the phone for two minutes or more, right? When they were reaching out to a prospect. Um, of course, uh, what was really funny, we we would notice information, from. And this is besides the point. But people calling their grandma or the credit card company just to put up the numbers, <laughs> which was very funny. And we had I to remember ins- those days. I remember credit <laughs> So and and you know and you had to kind of balance how to coach people and make sure that. They understand that they really got to make the real effective ones. Uh, but then we would measure effectiveness um, from a point of view of how many conversions uh, became meetings and how many of these meetings ultimately turn into opportunities. So the, the, the effectiveness of any call ultimately is the downstream conversion uh, to, to an opportunity. And an opportunity, because we were so quantitative there and because Walter was so quantitative, he and I were like, we were kind of like a perfect fit. Um, geeking out on numbers, and we would we would define criteria for an opportunity, um, very um, very kind of formally, and and have a very structured method. What makes an opportunity? There has to be uh, a definitive like need. There has to be an interest in continuing to work with us. There has to be a fit. Uh, nobody could come to you and say, "Hey, this feels like an opportunity." The word "feels" didn't exist there. It was always very quantified very measurable. Um, and you had to always like think on your feet. And, um, so that's kind of like how we measured it. Did, so how many you, of your calls translated to opportunities?
2: Do you, do you think sales is more of a science than an art did? So I
0: knew that you would ask this because I knew you and Scott, yeah, cause he always asked this question. <laughs> you, you, I know both of you have your own feelings about quantification and keep yeah, uh, key performance. So don't, play, don't play the, the middle. You got to pick a side, pick a side. (laughs) That's, that's impossible because I'm strictly in the middle. (laughs) My side is the middle. So look, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's one of those things where you can't have only one or the other, right? Like it really is. And what makes sales, and I would say not even sales, actually, I would say sales management, right? I think that, Sales management is definitely uh, has definitely a a large component of of being scientific. no question about it. Selling itself, probably you could say there's more of the eq uh relationship um factor right and I think both are equally important right it, It's just like you can't you can't be really good at at relationships uh and qualifying a discovery. And follow-ups, but not understand your numbers and how many dials you have to make for every meeting, how many meetings you need to convert to an effective opportunity, how many ops you need, you know, for for close one deal. You can't just do one, but not understand the other. Like in today's day and age, um, everything has to be um, measurable, right? Like look at any basic platform, you know, Outreach, Salesloft, and others, right? Even though they're meant for reaching out uh, and outbounding, the key component of each one of those applications is the ability to have the dashboards measure everything, understand um, you know the numbers that your SDRs are putting up, right? So so it's it's really both. There, <laughs> I'm, I pick the middle side, and that's the side I pick. <laughs> changing changing
1: topics for a second here. I wanna I wanna know from you. What are most VPs of sales getting wrong right now when they go in and take over an opportunity? What is the most common mistakes that you see people make?
0: You mean like, to, you know, join a company as uh, right. an opportunity or, or take yeah. opportunities? So let's, let's,
1: let's, let's, I'll pick on Richard here. So let's say Richard goes and gets a job as a VP of sales, right? It's his first VP of sales job, theoretically, for him, it'd be his first one and a decade plus I think. Um, right. So like, what are, what are the things this new VP of sales right now is, is going to shank on? How can we help those new VPs of sales, not make some of these mistakes? What are they getting
0: wrong? That's a really good question. Um, you guys are good. And I, I wish you just emailed them so I could give it more thought, but, but if the goal is to kind of uh, be kind of spontaneous, like, it, uh, we're
2: actually interviewing you. This, okay. Well,
0: I just want to make sure I get this job at the end. You know, I, I am, I am going to try to be a closer and, and ask for the job, right. For the offer letter. Right? <laughs> Work for you guys. So look, I think, I think there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, because, you know, I, you know, obviously being part of, of, uh, of a network, um, you know, revenue collective, some of the others, um, you know, Richard, you and I are obviously uh, members of MSP. Um, modern sales pros, right? Like, you, you know, a lot of people, you see them joining companies, things they struggle, with. they're asking about um, to kind of bounce ideas on. I think there, there are probably several things. One is, um, you know, the, the first hundred days, right? And I don't say the first 90 days, it's more like the presidential first hundred days has a better ring to it, but um, really not to, not to change too many things all at once, right? I think it's key to, when you join the company, that fine balance of of knowing what has been done before you came there and making sure that you really understand the context and not, um, you know, not, not, you know, throw the prior sales leader under the bus, uh, but really understand why things were done the the way they were. Right. Don't make, don't jump to conclusions too quickly. Right. Um, respect the current system and, and context and environment. Um, Second of all, it's very important to ask a lot of questions. Just meet the team, get to know each other, uh, put people at, you know, at ease. I think a lot of VPs of sales come in and they start changing things quickly. Uh, the team gets very nervous, right? You'll ask people and they'll think that uh, the new VP wants to fire other, you know, some of the folks, right? And, and they get nervous. You don't want that. You want people uh, to have confidence uh, in you and that, you know, you want them executing, right? Not worried. Um, and I would say, it's uh, you know there's probably like another thing to it is that um, really um, you know you're coming in you're going to be very busy trying to figure out you know what, what's really happening uh, how things are working but um, before you before you start drafting up a new strategy um, you know coming up with what you're going to do kind of creating your own uh, fingerprint on the organization. Um probably like just pick up a you know, pick up uh maybe not the phone, uh, but outreach or sales loft or whatnot and uh make some dials to existing customers and just check in on how they're doing, um, find out why they were buying, um, find out what they're unhappy about, right? Uh and I think without that that stage of actually customer conversations, uh when you're a VP and you're trying to make changes after your first you know three months, hundred days, whatnot, without actually having conversation with customers, not just the internal team, you got a big gap right and and you're you're not sort of adhering to that philosophy of sell the way your customers want to buy. you gotta understand how customers prefer to buy, why they bought from you, what they're unhappy about, then you have the full picture, and then that hundred days you can wrap it up, and now you can come up with a plan
1: yeah I think that that's. Really good advice. Number one, <clears throat> so many VPs will not pick up the phone and call existing customers. Yep. that—that That is, of all the things you said, that's to me probably the one that gets overlooked the most. Um,
0: well, remember Bill Gates had this great uh, phrase. He said, your most unhappy customers are your best source of learning. Yeah. So pick up the phone, call your happy customers, but also unhappy ones. Um, and I think that's going to be your best source of learning before you're ready to, to implement your new strategy as a new VP. Then, then the
1: other thing that I that I was going on this train of thought, like you have been a head of sales, VP of sales, what CRO, whatever you want to call it, all the titles are interchangeable at this point to me. Actually, concerned.
0: we should talk about that exactly because- We are, I,
1: that's my next question. I have a strong Zorian.
0: opinion on CRO versus- <laughs> this, is, this, is,
1: this is my next question. Zorian, stop, stop cutting me off. <laughs>
0: <I'm sorry.
1: laughs> my, my, my first question before that is, what advice do you have for CEOs and how to have a better relationship with their CROs, VPs of sales, heads of sales? So, wow, that,
0: that's a damn great question. Yeah, that, that literally is. And, and I, and I attest to the fact that we actually have not talked uh, before this call where you told me what questions you'll ask. That's a really smart question. And, and the reason I actually say that is, um not trying to pander. I'm just literally, um, I think there's a, the, the job of running your sales or the entire revenue lifecycle as a CROs, it's extremely complex job. And, um, uh, And not just complicated, but complex. There are many sort of unknowns and complicated nuances where it's like the uh, balloon, you you know, you push on one side and, you know, there's more on the other side. It's kind of like there are very many interrelated, interconnected complexities. And I think if the CEO doesn't understand sales and doesn't understand the CROs or the EVPs of sales job, it really uh, overcomplicates things even further. So, to give you an example, and I just spoke about it earlier today, I was doing a webinar on scaling sales. Like, one thing that I see very often, and it's just one of many, many examples, is that um, the CEO says, Let's go set some goals. Problem number one, they have never put together uh, a bottoms up or a sales operating production model where you can look at all the assumptions in Excel. Now, I'm coming back to my quantitative, uh, sort of geeky, um, uh, mode, if you will, but you really have to put all the assumptions in excel to to discuss them, so a lot of times they don 't do that they just say we 're going to hit this number let 's go. Well, how do you know you can hit this number? How do you know like do you have enough headcount? Do you have enough resources? Have you had a thoughtful discussion about um, you know where your pipeline is going to come from? Is it outbound or inbound and if it 's inbound? Where you know is marketing working effectively? What is the lead generation strategy here? There are so many things right there 's this misalignment so one thing is they don 't put their numbers in Excel and get together and discuss it. The other thing, even if they do um, the thing that I was talking about today specifically is when you 're trying to build out a sales development like a prospecting uh, production model, very simple model again, going back to Excel. How many dials you're going to make? Was the conversion from your dials to connects? Was the conversion from connects uh, to actual uh, meetings? Was the conversion from those meetings to opportunities? Or emails. If you're going to send 100 emails per day, how many of those actually get you not just a response, but a positive response, meaning a response where someone agrees to take a meeting, a first introductory meeting with your sales uh, sales AE, account executive. Um, And the problem is that, And this is one that's really funny. If you go on Google and you try to search for benchmarks for outbound cold email, conversions to positive responses, conversions to a meeting, you're actually, believe it or not, and this is absolutely crazy to think this, but you're not going to find real data that's, or correct data. And I know it's a provocatively unusual statement because you would think there are so many companies um, that you know, like sales often outreach that could put out such benchmarks, but it's not out there. And um, the CEO will go find, there's an article on a famous blog, which I don't want to mention by name because I don't want to offend anyone. But there's someone who posts that, here's how I got my outbound cold response rate from 1% to 14%. So basically for hundred emails, instead of getting one response, cold outbound, He claims to get 14. Now, this is complete baloney. Like, this, it's impossible. Like, we know what the laws of physics are. If you throw an apple, it's going to fall down to earth. It's not going to go back up in the air. But when you say you can get 14% outbound response rate, I will prove to you you're going against the laws of physics. This doesn't happen. It's impossible. And basically, and I showed this in Excel that this is like it would equate roughly uh, to about 300 – Cold outbound generated meetings per month per person. I've never seen that. It's like getting That's 14 meetings
1: it's because it doesn't exist.
0: Doesn't exist. It's
1: bullshit. So, but then, but then, unfortunately, you're going to have like a lot of early stage uh, CEOs and founders who maybe see this particular article. Bingo. And now they hold their head of sales. Bingo. Fire.
0: Right? Are you reading my mind? I mean, like, how is it? You knew exactly where I was going. Yeah. Absolutely. My, my question this is, is. This is... The problem is that they will show the stat to their CEO, uh, CRO and, and VP of sales, uh, and they'll say, why, are we, why don't we have 14%? Why do we only have 0.5% conversion from cold emails? Because that's the reality of the so world.
2: I, I, I wonder if, if it's written in people get happy years, and it means... I'm going to increase mine by 14%. So if I'm at getting one, I'm getting 1.14. Now The guy said literally
0: 1,400% increase. By the way, his math is wrong when you go from 1% to 14%. That's actually 14x, but mathematically 1,300%. But not to be a pedantic mathematical geek, I'm going to say this. When I look at the gentleman's uh, LinkedIn bio, he's never been in sales. He's a content marketer, and this is the problem.
1: That's even better. That, That's even better. For this is record, the for the, record, for the record, by the way, I have no idea who you're talking about or what the blog is. <laughs> I, I, I actually don't want to know. You don't want to know because so, it will offend too many people. <laughs> it's just so rich to me that it was written by <laughs> i to have
0: him on the podcast. I think we should go no, do don't, him on the podcast. But, but look, and, and I shouldn't have mentioned 1400% because you can now search for it and it'll probably pop up first. But look, the main point is not to throw anyone under the bus. The main point, your question was, uh, Was the advice for CEOs? It's like, listen, you hired a, a senior sales executive, whether it's CRO or VP of sales. And we, by the way, should talk about the titles uh, and the roles more importantly than just titles. Uh, but, my but next question, Zorian. Let's go there. But let me just say this is like, trust them. Just like if you hired them, if if you hired correctly, they must be intelligent and successful. Please just, just step back and listen to them. Don't, don't look for these articles that are completely wrong. Um, and, uh, and by the way, on that note, I do want to close out. I spoke to Max Altshuler at Outreach. He's fantastic. Um, we had a couple of conversations, and he said they're doing a benchmark on this, and they will provide this data, which I think it will be extremely valuable because um, it's literally pretty much impossible to find. And, and, and it looks so low, like 0.5% or lower conversions on cold outbound that a lot of CEOs, just to wrap up that answer, uh, long-winded, but, but definitely very, very profound and important point is that, uh, please, believe me, you should not be trusting that information. Trust your sales executive. Otherwise, why did you even hire them? You yep. gotta trust them.
1: Okay, let's move to the question.
0: <laughs> yeah, the
2: next question. So, so, so Zorian, let's, let's go back to this, right? Because we're going through this right now of um, you know, the CRO, yep. revenue ops, sales ops, different titles, different roles. Um, I'm still trying to figure out my opinion on it. I'll be honest with you. Like, I, mean, I don't, I, I, I don't have to live in that world, right? Like nobody's coming to me and saying, Hey Richard, what's a CRO job? Description? Yeah. Know, go Google and come up with one. Right. Um, but I am curious, you know, you're in this world, you're in this game, you talk these things every day. Uh, so what are you seeing or hearing or, or what advice do you have around this title versus role versus responsibility, accountability.
0: Great. So, so this is something, it's actually, I started uh, writing uh, a post about the CRO role. So I think if you just look at the market, I think what I've noticed um, is that there is this unnecessary title inflation where you're really a VP of sales or maybe you're running sales and customer success, you know, post-sales and, you know, sales, cross-sells, and you're given a CRO title. But I thought about this long and hard for many years, and I think ultimately there's a reason for a chief revenue officer role. What this role really, really is and is supposed to be, in my opinion, is basically the keyword is revenue. You own the entire revenue, which is everything that drives revenue, including lead generation that should be under you. And you should have a vice president of marketing under you who knows marketing and lead gen. Um, and specifically the kind of marketing that drives sales, not you know, necessarily brand awareness. Um, that's maybe a little bit outside of that. But the entire top to bottom, to bottom funnel with customer success, you know renewals, anything that has to do with revenue. And my opinion is I'd like to bring my own, uh, version of, of the definition because having started my career in investment banking on Wall Street, uh, I'd like to think of a CRO role as sort of like a hedge fund portfolio manager. So, what a hedge fund portfolio manager does, it's a very uh, high paying job and it's a very, very complex job. Everything is basically about capital allocation decision where to allocate resources and get return on investment. Um, and it's, it's really having A very broad and deep at the same time understanding of every piece that impacts your revenue. You
1: have all these resources. Your job is to know how to deploy them and put them in an optimal position to maximize the return.
0: Yes. And what that means sort of under the hood, if you drill in, right, is, you know, deep analysis, you know, hedge fund portfolio managers can, you know, analyze uh, a stock from every angle you can imagine because they went through that job before. They're analysts who became more senior, right? So you have to understand strategy, planning. Uh, You have to understand the actual selling, customer, uh, how the customer is buying. You have to understand how to build an effective and, 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 and do the process engineering of the sales process, build an effective, optimal sales process, which is also not a simple thing to do, right? Um, you have to make sure there's execution. You have to measure it. You have to hire effectively. By the way, I would say that hiring great people and talent is the most important thing. Right? So you have to understand how to hire effectively. And by the way, that's a whole different conversation we can have about how many mistakes are done in hiring correctly. But long story short, it's a very complex job. So I think a CRO in a way is, is someone like that uh, in managing the company's full funnel full life cycle of revenue and understanding from recruiting to strategy, to planning, to analysis, to selling, you know, tactical coaching, strategic coaching, um, you know, upsells, cross-sells, managing customers, managing people. It's you're you're the head portfolio manager of your revenue. Um, and that's kind of, and, and by the way, and on top of that, probably more so in, in sales management as a CRO than even portfolio management you actually have to have really good leadership skills, which is also, I think, sort of hard to learn and come by. Um, and that's a whole different conversation as well, right? I mean, it's one thing to be a great salesperson and manage sales well, but it's a whole different thing to, to be an effective leader, which is kind of hard.
1: For those people who are a VP of sales right now or a senior VP of sales right now, what is your best piece of advice to them to prep them
0: Being a CRO, yeah, I think it's um, you know being a VP of sales is a big part of it because ultimately CRO more than more than lead generation or anything else, you really have to understand how to run sales and and uh, you know deliver uh, the return on investment, right? Do the quota attainment for your entire sales team every you know month, every quarter, every year, so. You're a VP of sales, you already got it, right? You're already successful. You are where you need to be. But I encourage, to your question, I encourage VPs of sales to think more deeply beyond just helping reps closing, you know, to close deals and 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 tactical sales coaching and film reviews and um and training and development and recruiting. Think step back and think broadly to become a CRO how do you figure out a way to drive revenue and maybe scale it even faster? Like, like extend your thinking beyond just managing your sales team, but what are all the different drivers and knobs and levers above and beyond your sales team that you can strategize on and manage and execute on that will help you drive your revenue? Just if that makes sense, right? Just not just your sales team, but what are all the other different things that will affect it? And that's what's basically the, what, the capital allocation.
1: What's the, what's the best place for them to learn some of this stuff, right? Like, I don't know if you've been in this particular situation, but I bet, and I promise you, there are VPs of sales out there who are like siloed off, like, hey, Zorian, focus on your deals. Stop asking conversations about demand yeah. and trying to learn about marketing. Hey, Zorian, Stop talking to our account management team and getting involved in post-sale revenue and, you know, uh, all that churn numbers and all this kind of stuff. Like, so where are some of these people supposed to go to develop the skills to be a CRO? Is it just networking? Is it resources like Revenue Collective and MSP and, you know, coaches and that kind of thing? Or, Or is there a better strategy there somehow that we haven't touched on?
0: Wow. Another great question. You guys are, you guys are good. I I, I mean that genuinely. Um, That's a really thoughtful question. Um, Let me think about that. I think, yeah, that's an interesting one because I think you're right.
2: How did you go from sales to marketing? Maybe it, maybe it comes way before you become the VP of sales. Right? Maybe we're not doing enough discovery earlier on in our career.
1: That might be true. I can tell you right now, like when I'm a sales manager in 2005 or whatever, nobody's saying to me, Oh, you might want to learn some marketing skills, Scott, in case you want to be a CRO one day. That conversation (laughs) sure never happened. No, this is a really good question.
0: It's a really good question. So here's what I would say. uh, And I'm going to tell you. So uh, the way I ended up running both sales and marketing was a bit of a coincidence. Um, I was at a company. Uh, called Veem, uh, which is one of the probably most successful uh, companies that went from zero-dollar startup. Uh, although I joined at around like 20 million or so, but um, they went from like zero to a billion in sales in the same, like in 14 years. And they started in the same year as HopSpot, and they were still private. And they have more revenue than HopSpot today. And HopSpot is actually I'm invested in HopSpot stock since earlier this year a uh, hugely, hugely successful stock this year. I'm a huge fan of that company. But Veeam was actually growing faster than Hopspot. And I'm a huge fan of Hopspot, but, but that's the one thing I'll say is that um, at Veeam, I was thrown into an opportunity where um, I was given uh, a chance to grow faster um, or was asked to figure out how to grow even faster than what was the goal that year. So instead of like uh, that one year, like 80 million, or like a year later, like we want to hit 80 million, but Zorian, go think about how should we hit 100 million. So part of that was kind of uh, building out a brand new demand gen team to drive sales even faster, take the free app, we had a freemium app, uh, and take those leads and create a brand new sequence and set of processes that will convert them to opportunities faster. And a lot of that created our ability to hit over 100 million. Um, so it was kind of by coincidence an experimental thing. But But Scott the question you asked was how would others do it without sort of this kind of coincidence? Hey, uh, you know, sales VP, go, you know, grab marketing or dimension rather as well. I think I would say the following is um, and I'll probably uh, answer it because I'm, I'm watching the last dance, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. What an amazing um, series. And, and if you look at these like high performing athletes, people of any kind, right what do they typically do that, that not everyone does? They, they, they work harder and longer and above and beyond, um, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, the hard work ethic, you know, before everyone else wakes up, he's, he's practicing. When everyone else goes home, remember that part, if you wished it, um, he told uh, his uh, trainer, Tim Grover, uh, by the way, who has a great book out, you should pick it up. But anyway, he said to him, um, you know, Tim said, listen, the season's over. When do you want to meet up? Because I got to go back, you know, fly back to work. He's like, what do you mean tomorrow morning? Like the season just ended. Like everybody else is back to their family on vacation. So, so long story short, if you want to learn how to kind of have more management um, of the revenue uh, funnel instead of only sales, you know, when the day ends and when you, when you finished your job and when you're ready to go home, um go, go talk to some of the best uh demand generation, lead generation people, you know, VPs or CMOs out there. Um, join revenue collective or MSP and hook up with the smartest people there and ask them, you know, what strategies are working for them. It's a learning process. Always be learning, right? Always be improving. You know, the um uh, you ever read about the Toyota production system in Japan? Um, they had this concept of Kaizen continuous improvement, right? Like, and and that's, that's the philosophy you got to have. You're continuously growing, improving, learning, uh, pick up books and learn from them, meet smart people, learn from them. And I think if you're not lucky like me where something was thrown at you by total coincidence, um, there are so many opportunities to learn. They're right out there in front of you. You just got to grab them.
2: What do you wish you'd gone back and done earlier in your career? I mean, you—you you, know—you've—you've you've got the math genius in you. You've got far from genius. A, a,
0: far from genius.
2: <laughs> compared to the rest of us in sales, you well, are. Come on. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> learning pivot tables, dude. Like I'm still on pivot tables.
1: So
0: I love pivot tables. They're the best. <laughs> no, I don't know how to
1: do pivot table. That's what my sales ops people are for pivot right. tables. So,
2: <laughs> so that I think that's you know. What, what would you be like, gosh, you know, I wish I'd gone back and I had learned and maybe you did. Maybe it is that marketing piece, you know, but is there something else you wish you'd learned earlier in um, your sales or, or even just even in your life career?
0: Darn, you guys, you guys have some amazing questions. I mean, literally, like, I don't, you know, I don't know if you've studied how to be like TV uh, news anchors, journalists. Coast, yes, yes we've, but,
1: we've, yeah. we've, we've gone to we've you, have,
0: you <laughs> are literally i i yeah. feel like i feel bad saying this because it sounds like i'm being disingenuous and just trying to flatter you but but i genuinely really mean that these are great questions Thank you. um what would i go back and do uh like learn differently or do differently i think look i mean there's this um there's this concept um and and it's, it was on linkedin even recently that as you um as you mature, right, you look back at your career or life and you realize how many um, things you kind of end up wasting your time on and how many things you, um, there were just kind of like a ways that, you know, you, you, know, you could have just like refocused on other things that uh, there are so much more important. And I think that and also the context of what we're sort of going through right now, this um, unfortunate health crisis And the impact on the economy and one of the things that I started realizing um, a couple of weeks and and maybe a month into into this sheltered home during COVID is what I really miss is the people a lot of people that I met throughout my life and my career and um, because you're constantly working you're constantly busy and um, over the years I lost touch with so many people And, uh, and I started reaching out for no other reason, because I just genuinely wanted to kind of reconnect and, and see that people are okay. Like, I I was just like, so scared of what's happening out there that, you know, so many people are getting um, affected and infected with this virus. And God knows there are some people that I really like that are not maybe doing well. I just, and I just really just wanted to reach out and kind of have that human connection while sitting at home. And. Going back to your question, I wish I did that all along, is that, you know, the past like decade or two, they went by, by so quickly, uh, just kind of like in an instant, right? And I wish I stayed in touch with more people, not because I need anyone for anything, but just because there's just so many people I really liked and enjoyed working with and, and meeting. And I did that with a lot of folks and and reconnected with some of my old managers. And that was just great. And I just wish I did that. do Do
1: you ever just sit, I do this, I'm projecting, but like, do you ever just sit and daydream and think if I could just take like the hundred best people I've ever worked with, like all my friends and colleagues and maybe family member here and there, like, and just that be my company. Like, that's like a dream kind of situation. That's what I'm picturing in my head right now when you're, you're reminiscing and thinking about people that you've, stayed in contact with. That'd be
0: pretty and, cool. <laughs> no, I never thought of that. But oh my!
1: I think about this all the time. I'm like, can I just get like the hundred, my hundred most favorite people on the planet, and I've just i have like, actually do put them in thing. role. I've that
2: would said, be
0: so amazing.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm like Scott's going to be my CEO. Another buddy's going to be my CRO. I'm just <laughs> going like, say... <laughs> to I'm just going to be like chairman of the board. I'm just going to fund it.
0: You right? know, I would say the opposite. If I were to pick the smartest and best people. Uh, that i've ever worked with and put him in the same company i would end up being the most junior person just a janitor cleaning up because everyone else is they're I, just I so asked. good this,
2: i got to ask this question for scott's mom cuz she listens to every episode did it bother <laughs> is you that right that you said, is that true or are you joking
1: no, no it, it does 100% true is that so,
2: <laughs> so did it did it bother you that that scott said maybe a family member or two and are you now curious as to which family
1: member scott's alluding to <laughs> she she knows she knows it might not be her. She, yeah. Actually, that's not fair. That's not fair. You know what my mom would be amazing at? She would be an amazing executive assistant. She would be. I've seen she her do it for you.
2: She
1: would be years, amazing, so. yeah. uh, She's But anyway, Zoe, we're – That's we're, her job now.
2: We've we got to um, – and by the way, we mean that in a very sincere way. Don't think that we're punished. She does a lot of, like, nitty-gritty stuff, and she doesn't mind doing it. Um,
0: Does she like edit your podcast and Photoshop Scott a little bit just to make That's, sure it's over. So
1: let's not get too carried away here with her computer skills.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, we, I, I have to get, get going. Unfortunately, I would love to keep talking with you um, and trying to dig some questions out of my brain. Appreciate all the kind words about the good questions for the record. I I know you know this, but like, we prepare zero questions. Okay. I, I have no idea what I was gonna ask you, and neither does Richard until we're in the moment, you know, with the show. So there's something about
0: You guys you know, are talented.
1: You, you guys know, are natural. There's, there's something about you and the and you know where what your background is and how you answer things that help us arrive at these questions. So you know we thank you for we thank you for being an interesting and and, uh, and special guest of the show. Uh, what, do, what can we do? What can we do to help you?
0: I appreciate it. You know, I, I, I haven't thought of anything necessarily, but, um, I would say that if, uh, if I may ask, if people are interested in, you know, we at Infotology, do you mind if I talk about our yeah, company? Yeah. No, briefly? Please do. please I do. don't want to be overly self promotional and, it. and, Burned and it. not be discourteous in any sense, but, but we actually do sell, uh, we kind of call ourselves, um, you know, sales, you know, salespeople selling sales tools to salespeople. And, um uh, Infotelligent is like, um, you know, like Zoom Info, which went public, obviously, uh, a couple months ago. Uh, we are a bit different. Uh, if anybody's looking for, for a product like that, or if um, you know, if anybody's interested, please check us out, infotelligent.com. Great product. Um, and I would say, um, it, I don't really think I'm very fortunate. I don't feel like I want to ask anyone for help, but but I do enjoy helping others. Um, So if, if um, as my old boss uh, said, um, he, you know, he he did well, and he always said like he likes to uh, send an elevator down, um, sort of in the sense of helping. So if anyone um, thinks I can be helpful in any way, uh, your listeners or anybody wants to talk about, you know, how to think about becoming a CRO, uh, I don't think there's anything, you know, any secrets about it. I'm happy to help people. and, you know, if anybody um, is uh, struggling, looking for work, you know, we're also hiring people. So please, by all means, if I can be helpful, oh, let's, I'm let's, happy to. Let's,
1: let's plug that real quick, Zorian. What's the,
0: real quick, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Link, is it LinkedIn? I think LinkedIn is very easy. I'm probably one of the few Zorians um, out there. So you can easily find me. Um, you can, okay. uh, yeah, I think go for LinkedIn. You can. Okay.
1: And, and then what? What roles are you hiring for and do they have to be based, you know, in the Boston area or is it virtual at this point? point yeah, real quick.
0: so we're, we're actually, interestingly enough, we're, we're happy to be, uh, to have great people remotely. We like talent. We don't care about where people live and work from. Um, you know, SDRs, AEs, we're growing, fortunately, um, and I'm very lucky sort of to be part of something, you know, high quality. So, uh, yeah, it, you know, AEs, SDRs, um, reach out, and, and I'll be happy to, uh, to chat. Yeah. yeah, awesome. How can I be helpful to you guys? Is there anything I can do for you? I'm going to ask that in return. This was well, that's it. That's a whole, no, whole other hour-long
1: show, Zorian, where I tell you all the needs that I have, okay? we we'll <laughs> We'll do that We'll do that
0: later on. Well, I think I just want to say you guys are great. I really, I mean, really genuinely mean it. Great questions. Love talking about Thank the you. kinds of things we're talking about here from quantifying sales to the provocative questions of like, is it science? You know, is it not? Uh, what is the CRO role? All the things I actually really enjoy uh, talking about. So really want to say I, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about things I enjoy and to join you guys. You guys are great. Great. Thank you
2: very much, Zorian. We really appreciate it. We we obviously got to give a shout out to our sponsor, Lead411. Um, We really appreciate what they're doing to support us. Zorian, good luck over at Infoteligent. We appreciate everything you've got going on. And uh, we will talk to everybody again Thank you so much.
0: See you guys.